I'm Matthew Cause. This is Toronto Today. And I was debating, do I start with good morning or good afternoon? But here is my rule when it comes to the time of day and the greeting that I give. Once Rod Rodney from The Price is Right says the first contestant on The Price is Right is, then that means the morning is done and the afternoon is started. And as anyone knows, The Price is Right starts at 11 a.m. So it is no longer the morning. We're now in the afternoon. It's early afternoon. Also, at 11 a.m., you can start ordering drinks at restaurants and bars. So if you can get a drink then it's no longer morning because there's nothing worse in life than someone saying, oh, good morning, sir. Here's your scotch. At least good afternoon. There's a little more dignity. Um, A lot to get to on the show today. But before anything involving the Maple Leafs, the Argonauts, the Blue Jays, World Cup, which has been really exciting, Um, just a piece of news for anyone driving around the city of Toronto, and that is avoid the 407. Avoid the 407, especially if you're going westbound around Brock Road uh, and Pickering. All lanes are closed after a fatal crash. So uh, adjust your route accordingly. Again, the 407 westbound around Brock Road that is in Pickering. There has been a fatal crash. So obviously police and authorities are investigating. So... I want to talk about the Maple Leafs, and we're not going to talk about depth signings for Tyler Ennis. I think my favorite part, and you heard the clip just moments ago on the update, Carlo Kuliakovo said, I'm not that excited about it. Okay. Well, if uh, Carlo is not going to be that excited about it, then uh, neither am I, and neither should you. It might turn out to be, it might turn out to be a pretty good deal. If it does, great. If it doesn't, no biggie. It's one year. It's less than a million dollars. It's not a needle-moving deal for the Maple Leafs. What I want to talk about is what Toronto needs to do this summer. The biggest thing they need to do, they've got to sign Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. they got to get those eight-year deals. Even if it means they've got to overpay a little bit, get it done. Now, everyone listening right now, you've got in your own mind what you think they should get paid. You're thinking somewhere in the early 11s for Austin Matthews, similar to what Tavares took. You're thinking 7, somewhere around that for Mitch Marner, whatever number in your head is. Add a million dollars per year and be fine with it. Be okay with it, even if it's more than you want, even if it hamstrings the salary cap. Thankfully, getting rid of Matt Martin will help to alleviate that a little bit. But here's why. The Maple Leafs have injected so much talent in this team just with the addition of John Tavares. Go back and look at his teammates. Matt Molson, career year, 69 points, playing with Tavares. He would then go on to play with the Sabres. He would never hit those numbers again. Hell, I think his last year with the Sabres, he played in 81 games. Matt Molson did. And he only had 21 points. Kyle Ocposo, same kind of deal. 44-point season, playing in 76 games with Buffalo. Before that, career high, 69 points, playing with Tavares. Josh Bailey, 71 points last season. Got a six-year extension for around $5 million a season. That's Tavares. Anders Lee. 
40 goals this last year. This guy's a six-rounder. He's put up 74 goals over the last two years. Guys drafted that late don't usually have that sort of production. It happens. And by the way, this is not just about playing with John Tavares. This is about your own skill, your own development, your own maturation as a player. But Tavares plays a part in this. Mitch Marner had 69 points last year, 61 in his rookie year. What could he get being healthy, playing with John Tavares? He's no longer going to be on that second line, or on that fourth line. He's not going to be playing with Matt Martin. He's not going to have statistics being suppressed because of lines that he's on and his teammates. What happens if Mitch Marner, you know, goes up in ice time? He was 153rd among forwards. And by the way, smart by the Maple Leafs. Young guy, small body. Bring him along slowly. There's no rush. And it's not like with the Florida Panthers, you know, down with Barkoff and all of those players. What if Marner's minutes go up? What about Austin Matthews? I mean, we talked about this so much last year. He was 71st in ice time, just over 18 minutes. 12 forwards last year played 20 minutes or more. Hell, John Tavares, just under. 1956. We heard Carlo Coliacvo say this morning that Mitch Marner could easily get 30 goals. Had 22 last year. I think 30 is a very reasonable number. This is not blue and white glasses on. This is not, you know, dreaming of parades and 82 win seasons. This is being realistic. This is about the chart, the actuarial charts you see for players when they grow. In terms of their production, in terms of their confidence. Whatever amount of money those guys, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, whatever amount you think you know they could get if they sign this year, imagine if they're healthy all season and they wait for one more year until you know it's time to deal with the RFA. Get it done now. Lock it up. There's no more Bozak and JVR. You know what that means? Matthews might have to actually go on the first power play unit. Just imagine Austin Matthews' first power play, closer to 20 minutes, benefiting from having Tavares there, which means you're not, fa- you're not going to be consistently facing the top defensive pairings, the checking lines all the time. If things go reasonably well in terms of health, Matthews and Marner are going to have massive statistical seasons. It's going to be huge. That's why you sign them now. You get those eight-year deals. You slightly overpay them. Don't worry about it. If you believe in these guys, and there's no reason why you shouldn't, you do what we've seen from so many other teams. They sign their players early. At one point in Tampa, they were probably screaming at the Steven Stamkos deal. Eight and a half million, that's crazy. Now Stamkos feels a little bit like a bargain. Yes, the salary cap won't go up by these huge jumps every year. You know, it's going up a little bit more because of Vegas. But it will continue to go up. You sign these guys right now. You can no longer suppress their statistics. And I'm not saying I fully buy in to that conspiracy theory that was out there that said the Leafs management did whatever they could to keep these guys down. 
because contracts were coming in the future. But just look at the production of the Matt Molsons, the Josh Baileys, the Anders Lee of the world. And the one common denominator was at center was John Tavares. Tavares played a role in it. I think that Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews represent a higher talent level and a higher ceiling than Matt Molson, Josh Bailey, Anders Lee, all these sorts of guys. So get that done. Because next year is going to be so exciting. It's going to be so much fun. I mean, think about it. It is July, and you listen to radio, you read the papers, and we're still talking about who's going to be on what line. And the reason you do it is because of talent. Because there is just so much talent out there. And if Martin Matthews are smart, they wait. The only reason they don't is they want the security. We hear that from so many players. That it changes the way you play a year when you know you're going into that contract season. Get the eight-year deal. Overpay them now. Because an overpaid contract in 2018 will look better in 2020 and 21. And yes, it will mean you'll probably lose a guy like Jake Gardner. That's fine. It's nothing against Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner's a good defenseman. Jake Gardner's probably a better defenseman than a lot of times the credit he's given. And just by the way, just ignore the third period of Game 7 against Boston this year. Okay, just, just ignore that altogether. But you're probably going to lose him. But it's all about moving the needle. You sign the young guys. You give them the deals now. And then, once you have them figured out, locked up, then you deal with the smaller news. Then you deal with the lesser topics, which is how to fill out the rest of the roster. Because most teams in the NHL, they would much rather to have this problem. What do we do? We got all this talent. What do we do with our bottom forward lines? What do we do with our third through sixth defensive players? Don't worry. Smart teams figure that out. We'll talk about that more throughout the show. But coming up on the show today, Derek Taylor is going to join us at 1130. TSN Sports Center host, CFL expert. He does a really funny segment on the morning show called Tailing Taylor every Thursday. And Derek Taylor is the smartest guy that I know when it comes to the CFL. Not in terms of life experience as a player. That would be you know, something like Chris Schultz or Matt Dunnigan. No one charts the game like he does. He is a freak. And I mean that as a compliment. He can tell you which running back broke the most tackles. Hell, the other way. He can tell you which running back broke the fewest amount of tackles. That is someone with not much of a life. Well, his record right now is 2-4. and So we're going to bring him on. We're going to talk about the Argonauts, their win win against the Edmonton Eskimos on Saturday. His thoughts there. We'll go around the CFL a little bit, but I want to focus a lot on the Argonauts. But also, we're going to bring him on kind of just to judge and shame him. Because he's 2-4, and and he's supposed to be the expert on the show. I want to get in thoughts on the Blue Jays, on Jay Happ. We'll play you funny dueling sound between two of our experts, Steve Phillips and Scott Mitchell, both on the morning show today. Both have a very different opinion about the value of Jay Happ. World Cup, a reminder that you can hear it right here on TSN 1050. Tuesday, it is France versus Belgium. Pre-game coverage starts at 1.30 with Gareth Wheeler, and then 2 o'clock. And then on Wednesday, Croatia versus England. Again, 1.30 is the pre-game, 2 o'clock is the start. And 
It's been a really... Here's how good the World Cup has been. I'm not soccer guy. But at the very least, the World Cup has gone to the level of, I will turn it on and have it on in the background. When I was younger, it would not be anywhere. You know, I would just put on AMC and watch Jaws 3. Because who doesn't want to see Jaws in 3D attacking a water park with a very young Dennis Quaid and Oscar winner Louis Gossick Jr. But now it has gone to the point where I have it on the background. I was up at my cottage this weekend playing Children's Monopoly with my nephew. And the key, by the way, to Children's Monopoly, just take little breaks every now and then for a minute and hope the child gets bored and wanders off. Because you don't want to be locked into a game of Children's Monopoly. Again, I'm a professional uncle, so I'm allowed to say these things. But we had the Croatia-Russia match in the background. And then those two goals late. And there was time for the penalty kicks. Well, that's it. Kid, put down Park Place because we are going to watch it. And it was really exciting. Stephen Caldwell will join us a little bit after 12 o'clock to preview those matches. But speaking of the cottage, I want to get to a poll question um, that we threw out just a little bit earlier, and I want to get your thoughts on this, because we've already had a lot of people have been writing in. And here's the question for you, because it's summer, and a lot of people, maybe you're listening up north. If you are, thank you so much. Other people are at work, and they're already counting down to this coming weekend, and you're already devising, how do I leave early on Friday to beat traffic? So here's the question, and you can tweet me at mcause56, you can tweet the station at TSN 1050 Radio. What do you like best about cottages, or what do you hate most about people who have them? Because people who have them can be insufferable. I know that I can be insufferable, and our producer Keith Bauer If you could jump on the mic, he also has a cottage. Actually, coincidentally, his cottage, we just found out because I was sending in some of my D-bag sunset pics. I was at my girlfriend's cottage up in uh, Whitestone Lake, which is uh, about half an hour east of Perry Sound. Keith, you got a cottage like three doors down, don't you? Not even three doors down. It's pretty much across the street and, yeah, one house over. It's crazy. uh, It's crazy. Small world. How insufferable can we be, the cottage goers? We can be pretty terrible, and I think it's... you. I don't know. I wouldn't call myself, or I wouldn't even call you insufferable because we, we are a part of that cottage culture. We understand what's going on, but it's for those outside that cottage culture, the ones who don't own, who are not lucky enough to own or take part in yeah. that cottage lifestyle. They just, um, I don't think they appreciate it too much. And, and nor should they. Absolutely not. But th- this is a great response. I want to go through some of them. And again, at MCOS56, you can tweet me at the station at TSN 1050 Radio. Matt writes in, best part about being at a cottage is being able to crack a beer at 10 a.m. and not feel weird about it. The thing, uh, the thing to not like about people with cottages is they act like you've never been to a cottage before. And that is true on both ends. Now, the key, though, is you can't be around your other family when you crack that 10 a.m. beer. Because you don't want to get that shaming look from any, you know, a parent, an older brother, whatever. But, yeah, when you're with your friends... The novelty 10 a.m. beer while staring out at the lake is glorious. I think the only actually the only two places that you can drink in the morning and not get fully judged or feel fully guilty, the airport bar and at a cottage. 
Those are the. Are there any other places, Keith, that are acceptable? Uh, I, I mean, it's pretty similar to a cottage, but I was going to say at the campground. Yeah, I no, mean, no, that's part. That's part. That, that's, that's the part same thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say that's about it. About it. Then, I mean, same thing on vacation. One of those, you know, all-inclusive resorts. Wake up seven a.m. Yeah, I'll have a quick mimosa. You know what? That's another good one. The all-inclusive, because part of it is he's just like I'm paying all this money to drink as much as I want. I don't care. It's nine a.m. and they're throwing mimosas by me. I'm going to do that. So I'll accept that. So yeah, um, we got a lot of good stuff coming in on this topic. Keep sending them in. What do you love most? And also, what do you hate? What do you love most about going to a cottage? Or what do you hate most about people like me? Just jerks who are out there just tweeting about it and talking about the cottage life. Or or when they say, I'm going to the cottage. Oh, I almost want to punch myself in the face when I say that. So the Blue Jays have a day off. They start up a series against the Atlanta Braves tomorrow. In fact, their final, I think it's six games, two against Atlanta, then four against Boston, is how they close out a... I'm not going to go... I mean, it's kind of a miserable first half of the season, but I think a lot of people expected this. And the big news is, and good for him, Jay Happ is going to the All-Star game. I mean, this is great news. And yes, with Major League Baseball, every team has got to send one representative. And over his last two starts, Hap hasn't been great. We've seen his ERA go from just over 3.6 to 4.44. But 35 years old, first trip to the All-Star game, 12th year in the league, five different teams, second stint with the Blue Jays. This is great for him. And I don't worry about Jay Hap in terms of all the trade talk. You don't worry about him, because let's face it, if he does well or poorly, it doesn't affect the Jays this year. It's all about what assets you get back. But 35 years old, this dude, is, this dude has been there and done it all. He's been traded four times. Three times when he was traded, it was at the deadline. None of this is going to phase Jay Happ. So all the conversation out there, it's not going to affect him on the mound. Also, what's really good for the uh, Jays, I don't worry about these past couple starts hurting his value, especially if it's to the Yankees. And I'll tell you why. Because every time the Boston Red Sox win a game, every time, it just helps his value for the Yankees. Red Sox right now, leading the East. they got the second-best run differential in all of Major League Baseball, behind only Houston. For the Yankees, their best pitcher, Severino, only three postseason starts, a young guy. Sonny Gray apparently is their number two pitcher. And in terms of innings pitched, second for the Yankees is CC Sabathia. They need arms. They might go after more than just Jay Happ. This could be late 90s, early 2000s Yankees we see in terms of their willingness to acquire ready-made talent. they got a good farm system. They have got assets. They've got pieces they can move to try to win now. So every time the Yankees win, every time if they put any dis or any time the, the Red Sox win, excuse me, any time they put a little bit of distance between themselves and the Yankees, it just means New York gets a little bit more desperate. As for the series coming up against Atlanta, maybe the most interesting thing is you look at the youth. You look at the youth on the Braves, and those guys are starting. 
Ozzy Albies, he is going to the All-Star game. 21 years old, already has 600 at-bats. Producer Keith Bauer, how, how bad did I screw that up? Albies. No, no, you said it right. I was just... Uh, <laughs> Why were you laughing? Why were you I laughing? Was just, I was thinking about our conversation leading up to the show, and, uh, well, let's just say you didn't say Albies. <laughs> yeah. Ozzy Albies, listen, 21 years old, 600 at-bats, um, you know, a war of three... I think he is leading all National League players in extra base hits. I know his on base isn't fantastic. And then there's, uh, how does Ronald say his uh, Acuna? No, you're missing Acuna. 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 Ah! Ronald Acuna Jr., 20 years old, first year, was the top prospect. Left fielder for the Braves. What's he doing? He is playing. And when you'll see these guys up close, It'll be a reminder that whenever Vlad Guerrero Jr. is healthy, and according to reports, he is, you know, at least, he's at the very least at schedule or ahead of schedule for his rehab. It's a reminder that the moment he's ready, you bring him up. You don't worry about, oh, wait, wait, we got to make sure that we keep him under wraps and under control for as long as possible. You know who thinks about that? Small teams, small market teams, cheap teams. Toronto is none of these things. So when you watch the Atlanta Braves in the two-game series starting tomorrow, you'll be reminded of youth, of very talented, talented youth, and why the Jays need to bring up Vlad Guerrero Jr. And the thing is, for the Jays, they need all the youth they can get. Steve Simmons column over the weekend, his Sunday notes, he reminded everyone that the, the supposed heart of the Blue Jays pitching staff is not as young as you think. Aaron Sanchez is 26. Stroman's 27. Severino, Luis Severino for the Yankees, is only 24 years old. Stroman and Sanchez, these guys should probably be in the prime of their career, and they are not. Far from it. Stroman gets the start tomorrow. Why? Estrada has been pushed back, which, again, is just says so much about this season. So many injuries for the Blue Jays with their starting rotation. Rob Longley's going to join us at 12.30. He's been covering the Jays, obviously, columnist for Post Media and the Toronto Sun. And the big question that I have for there is, what are you going to follow? What interests you the most about the Toronto Blue Jays between now and the deadline and now at the end of the year? And i got to be honest. I was trying to put my list together, and it is difficult. I mean, for me, I think the thing that might be most exciting, and I hate to say this, but just as also a baseball fan, it's not just with the Blue Jays, it's the Red Sox versus the Yankees. You got all stars all over the place on both those teams. As the all star rosters were just being named. So you're going to get all the, oh, my guy got snubbed. It's one of the most boring conversations. Who got snubbed and who didn't get snubbed? Get out of here. Derek Taylor joins us next, TSN Sports Center host, also apparently CFL expert. We'll talk all things Argonauts, go around the CFL a little bit. And I, I don't want to focus too much on one question that we always talk about right now, which is how do you get more fans to an Argonauts game? Because we have the same conversation all the time. And part of it is just the CFL has a difficult time. It's not just with the Argonauts. The CFL has a difficult time creating stars. Mike Riley 
the quarterback for the Edmonton Eskimos. He was the most outstanding player. He is in your town. It's a Saturday night. It is gorgeous. There's very few places that are as pretty to watch a sporting event outside than BMO. You look to the south, you got the lake. You look to the north, you got the city skyline. It is gorgeous. And Saturday was a gorgeous night to watch football. I mean, it's almost enough to get people like me, jerks like me, away from the cottage to go to the game. So we will talk to Derek Taylor next. And then a little later, as I mentioned, Steve Caldwell will join us at 12. We'll get into the World Cup, both those matches, the semifinals Tuesday and Wednesday. You can listen to right here on TSN 1050. And then at 12.30, it is Rob Longley. We get into the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm Matt Cause. You are listening to TSN 1050. You're listening to Toronto Today. James Wilder Jr., 21 carries, 120 yards and one touchdown, helping the Toronto Argonauts defeat Edmonton by a score of 20-17 to on Saturday. This is TSN 1050. This is Toronto Today. I am Matthew Cause. Joining us now to talk all things CFL and to judge and shame him for his picks, which he does every Thursday in a segment called Tailing Taylor on the morning show. It is Derek Taylor. Morning, Derek. How you doing, buddy? I'm him good. I'm here to lap up all the shame you want to pour on me. I deserve every bit of it. Oh, so supposed expert. I'm Derek Taylor. I chart every play. I've got the details. Do you see that fun cartoon that we do, you know, on Sports Center? When really it should be my name is Derek Taylor and I'm a fraud. Ah, uh, yes. Bathing in the tears of Matthew Cause losing my To be fair though. How badly did Hamilton outplay Saskatchewan and then lose? Massive, that's, massive. That's, I, I haven't been a, I haven't been like a sports better for too and terribly long, but I assume that's a very common theme among sports better. I can't believe they played so well and lost and took my money with them. What a bunch of ah. Uh. The yeah. worst luck ever. Yeah. Oh, I listen. I was doing work for the Hamilton State uh, for the Hamilton Station. So yeah, I mean, listen, that was a bad beat by you. No one is going to be upset. Uh, Hamilton certainly dominated that game. Um, you know what? We'll, we'll stick with Hamilton for a second, just with the Johnny Manziel conversation. Yeah. Only, only because you know we listened to it with Dave Naylor in the update, and you know he's a name that always is going to move the needle. Um, the way that the Hamilton Ticats starting quarterback Jeremiah Masoli is playing. Um, I think it'd be very shocked. I'd be shocked to see Johnny Manziel get on the field anytime soon. Yeah, my uh, the first week I did a detailed segment about about Masoli, and here's what Masoli offers. And I said by week seven, uh, uh, Manziel would be getting serious reps. That's that's no longer going to happen. I 100 percent with you on that. This and a lot of it is because a lot of the reason I thought he would get reps was because the schedule Hamilton had to play. And it turned out the schedule Hamilton had to play could not have broken better for them. Uh, Matt Nichols was out for Winnipeg. Edmonton had 13 guys on the six-game injured list, whatever the number was, by the time of that game. And Saskatchewan like has zero quarterbacks, has maybe minus one quarterbacks uh, for their home-and-home. Home. So uh, the schedule really broke right for Hamilton. They haven't maybe taken advantage the way they want. They wanted. They should be 3-1. and one. They are 2-2. Two and two. Uh, so, but Masoli, we probably need to cool it on the Masoli is the Messiah and Masoli is going to be the MOP because when you look at four touchdowns and four picks, it's not amazing. 66% completion is okay, uh, but it's to me, coaching is what's really keeping them, uh, them going there as opposed to unbelievable play from Masoli because I, just, I don't think he's being unbelievable. I think he's been very good. 
Joined by uh, Derek Taylor, and if you read my recent column on CFL.ca, I write about how Jeremiah Masoli is close to being an elite-level quarterback. <laughs> so who are you going to trust, me, the host of Toronto Today, or Derek Taylor with the losing record right now with his CFL picks? Uh, <laughs> What makes what makes you like what makes you think he's close? Just for your for the folks who haven't read your article, what uh, what what says you he's close? A higher a jump in accuracy this year versus last year, which maybe damning with faint praise. Um, the fact that especially early in those games against Edmonton and Winnipeg, they were driving down the field and they looked yep. comfortable. And it was not like difficult drives. There was thirteen play drives, and ooh, they somehow converted a bunch of long downs. It was Masoli looking comfortable. You know, just his reads looked a lot crisper than it did last year. The mobility and that he is looking downfield to throw the ball when he's on the run, not just about trying to get six yards in a first down, um, and a lot of that is obviously coaching as well, but I throw it all together, and then the great weapons he has, and Masoli looks like the better quarterback now than the one we saw last year, even the one last year that was putting up 300-yard games. And every bit of that backed up by the stats. His accuracy is up over last year. Uh, the number of, the, basically the distance his passes are being thrown, the, his air yards are up huge. Yep. He's number three in the league. It's, it's enormous. The question I have is did Saskatchewan figure out what to do with that? Because Hamilton does, you know, six offensive linemen and the blocking fullback and Nikita Whitlock. And you saw Saskatchewan get 13 pressures in Thursday's game. And what it, what it looked like was, okay, we're going to send guys, but just a beat later, once you've kind of declared where you're going to block, we're going to send a blitzer. And he's going to get to Jeremiah. And it really, Saskatchewan really did some good stuff with their fronts in that game. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, send eight to overwhelm seven. It was get there with five and get there with six. And I thought that was really uh, – and I think that was the best thing Saskatchewan did on Thursday was, okay, here's how we're going to get pressure on a team that uh, is, is running people over with this offense that no one else runs. So I, I'm curious to see what uh, – you saw some counters from Hamilton in that game. I'm curious to see where Hamilton goes with it now and where other teams' defenses go with it now. Hey, when you have a cornerback as good as Deron Carter, you can do whatever you want defensively. Joined have by you ever. Like, like, we're moving on. We're moving on. We're not doing the Deron Carter conversation right now. Okay, good. <laughs> Derek Taylor. They're matching up. No one matches up, and they're matching up to cover for a guy. Just get another defensive back. Just go get one. He, he and pl- make sure he's not a box safety from the from the NFL like you signed up last week. All right, all right. Listen, he played. Box he played well. He played fairly well on Thursday. We're moving on to Toronto. Um, Argonauts defeat Edmonton 20-17. to um, The positive side says James Wilder was great. Good for yeah. James Franklin to get his first win. The Debbie Downer in me would say a lot of this win was basically Toronto with far fewer penalties and that Franklin was able to connect on a couple of those deep throws, but that's not exactly sustainable. Uh, your thoughts from Saturday's win? I was impressed with how they held Edmonton out of the end zone. I mean, okay, one of them, granted, was the north end zone, and uh, uh, 87, Darrell Walker almost slips and hurts himself very badly trying to go up and get a touchdown. Home field advantage, my friend. People people are going to complain about the field. I say that is home field advantage for the Argonauts. Well, and I thought it was super interesting because it mentioned, oh, hey, that happened. And then Greg Ellingson of the Red Blacks goes, Oh yeah, no, it's that's a real thing. He's been he's complained about it before. He's like, oh yeah, that affects play calling. And I'd never, I for whatever reason, I'd never thought of that. He said, go look back at the Grey Cup and Ernest Jackson's Grey Cup winning touchdown. He's he's hit this like a slant across the middle, 
and you see Calgary safety Josh Bell slip on the turf trying to make the tackle. If he if Bell doesn't, he maybe makes the tackle at the two yard line, and who knows what happens? You're like, oh, that's it already has affected the biggest game ever. Oh. Okay. Oops. Uh, I, I enjoyed some of the Argo stuff. Uh, their defense has terrible numbers, but I really thought, I mean, keeping Edmonton out of the end zone like they did, I thought was great. Uh, getting James Wilder some burn, I thought that was that worked really well. That may be more product of Edmonton than anything else. Uh, and Franklin was, uh, he, well, Franklin was what Franklin was. He doesn't get sacked, and he doesn't throw picks. He had one of each, so it was the first time in a long, long, long time both chronologically and the number of snaps that he'd had one of either. So there was some stuff to uh, enjoy from Franklin. I just, when you look at their receiving core, Matt, like, what do you, what do you think of their receiving core? They have two, but I don't know what they have after that. It, it, it's a little bit unimpressive to me. And, you know, here's the big concern. Was the year that S.J. Green had last year, which was incredible. Oh, outstanding. Was that the last hurrah for S.J. Green? Um, three catches for 34 yards. Um, yeah, I, I, Armani Edwards is pretty good. But, no, right now, yeah. if I look at the weakness for the Argonauts, it's that receiver. It, it, yeah, it's not even close, right? Uh, Wilder is their leading receiver at 125 yards. That's and not that, good. That's like I know Winnipeg had some success with that with Andrew Harris, but no. Yeah. Um, as much as it's nice to have the safety valve, you're not going to win the CFL unless you got guys that can go downfield, that can challenge secondaries, because the running back dump-off option, that's not going to work over 18 games. Yeah, you'd love to have Anthony Coombs back at that third wide receiver spot to the field. Uh, you would love to have a boundary-wide receiver option. You know, We talked about at the beginning of the season. What do you do? Devere Posey's in the NFL. Who's going to score you 100-yard touchdowns in the Grey Cup? Uh, Brian Timms did not work out. Uh, he's, he's the poster boy for first impressions, can get you second chances. But I don't know if there's a third chance in the offing. I, I honestly don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I have trying to think of who their boundary wide receiver is. And he, whoever he is, not used. So it's, that's not an amazing sign. They, they need to figure that part out, uh, and I'm sure – I mean, no one knows that like Mark Tressman does, but uh, I think there were at least some, some decent signs from, from Franklin and just getting Wilder going. It was Levine Noel who actually had a couple of really good catches in that game. I, yeah. I should give props to Levine Noel. That was, he had some really nice work in that game, so maybe, maybe there is something there. But, yeah, uh, receiver is a real problem. And a reminder that the next game for the Toronto Argonauts is this coming Friday, 9 p.m. start right here on TSN 1050 against Edmonton. Also, a live mic game, so if you're watching it on TV, you'll hear the F word a lot. (laughs) This week was a lot cleaner, right? Much cleaner. Much cleaner than two weeks ago, yeah. Then there was the Kara Wagland voice. Uh, There may be some foul language, uh, Viewer discretion is advised. I think it's super. It's neat, right? It's neat to hear some of the stuff. It was neat this week to hear Mike Sherman with about five and a half minutes go. Oh, we're going to need to use our timeout sometime here. You're like, oh, okay. And you hear some some of the conversation, but uh, after a while, right? Hearing Trevor Harris look at his wristband and go, uh, uh, Deuce Roadblock Roadhouse Red Rocket Blue Blob Blue Dot Blue You're like, wow. Okay, we need to just turn that down a little bit because he's not. It's all just straight up nonsense unless you can, unless you've mapped it out and uh, who's got four hours to to Sudoku out exactly what he's doing there. <laughs>
And by the way, a shout-out, I think it was Suter and Ford, I'm trying to remember who called the game a couple weeks ago when there was all the swearing in the Hamilton-Winnipeg game. And yeah. I like the fact that they finally acknowledged it. You know, and then they just, and then the, and then the halftime, you know, uh, Rod Smith and the boys, just, they acknowledge, like, yeah, okay, swearing happens, let's all be adults here, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's unfortunate for anybody who's, Who's sensitive to something like that? And obviously, we we felt bad about that. But yeah, it's 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 hard for the players, right? Like, like oh, I, I normally am just cursing out everybody, but I have to be sensitive on this one. It's 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 a hard spot for everybody to be in. I think the the live mics provide a lot of great stuff. Uh, and there's just the, I, I I honestly I hope nobody's offended, but I'm afraid we're going to hear that people have been quite offended by it. Derek Taylor from SportsCenter, and of course the details, and you can hear him every Thursday on the morning show, the Tailing Taylor segment. Uh, are you feeling better uh, about your picks? There's only three games this week. Are you, are you I, feeling better? Uh, I I haven't seen what's going Well, I know Calgary's going to win this week, but I mean, it's it's hard, right? Because you're watching these things go down the toilet. And the, like, the one game I didn't bet on, I, I felt, oh, Winnipeg's probably okay, but I want to see... I want to see what Matt Nichols looks like. They win by 75 points. It's always, you always remember the ones that got away, hey? Um, what are the chances Toronto can go back-to-back against Edmonton? We'll leave you on this question. Oh, I, I'm not sure I saw enough from Toronto that they can win a game in Edmonton. The one thing Edmonton is, is great at, uh, which will keep you in the game, is they love to miss tackles. They are cool with missing tackles. Every sixth play. Somebody just blows an assignment and, and misses the tackle. So there's always a chance that Wilder is going to bust out one of those 86-yard ones because he, he breaks through somebody. They're dealing with some injury problems. That's a benefit. Uh, you're going to have to figure out how to keep, you know, Darrell Walker off the, off the board for two games in a row and keep C.J. Gable down. I thought they did that well, but uh, Gable was a monster two weeks ago. It, I, don't, I don't know that you hold Edmonton down twice in a row, but – Having gotten one, having gotten off the schneid, it was a pretty good result for the Eskimos. Or probably for the uh, Argos against the Eskimos. Derek, always appreciate you coming on. The work is fantastic. And I have no doubt by the end of the year, you will be over 500 for the Tailing Taylor segment on Landsberg in the Morning. But will I beat the big? You gotta beat the big. It's not enough to be over five hundred. You gotta beat the big. That the is big the killer. Spoken by someone who gambles too much. Thank you, Derek. Thanks, brother. Okay, that was Derek Taylor from Sports Center and from the details, and you hear him every Thursday on this station. And a reminder: this Friday, July thirteenth. Yes, Friday the 13th, the Argonauts traveling to Edmonton. It is a 9 p.m. start, a game you can listen to right here on TSN 1050. Uh, Coming up at 12 o'clock, Stephen Caldwell is going to join us, our TSN soccer analyst. We break down the semifinals, and we also look back a little uh, on the World Cup so far. And how does he rank this World Cup? I got my thoughts on just where it is, and it has been a really exciting one. So we're going to talk about that. And coming up next, we'll get back some thoughts on the Jays and, of course, on the Maple Leafs and what they need to do this summer. And the question that we're throwing out there, you can tweet me, at mcos 56 What do you love most about your cottage? And what do you love or what do you hate the most about people with cottages? And there's one response we're getting a lot of from different people, but a very similar theme of one thing they hate about all us jerks with cottages. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to TSN 1050. You're listening to Toronto Today. Steve Caldwell. 
Or is it Stephen? Uh, uh, producer Keith Bauer. Do we do we go with Steve Caldwell or do we go Stephen Caldwell? Let's go with Stephen. We'll Steven. go Stephen. We'll yep. go the full name. Keep it, well, keep it formal. You know what? The semifinals is upon us. Full formality. It's That's fine. Then I expect for the rest of the show, I want to be Matthew. Not Matt Cause. I want Matthew Cause. That that just sounds strange. Like I can't call you Matthew. It's Matt. It's Maddie. I will never call you Matthew. Okay. Maddie. I tried. I mean, I'm the host here. I'm, you know... Supposed to be the one dictating things, and yeah, that doesn't work at all. Um, and yes, both semifinal matches you can listen to right here on TSN 1050. France versus Belgium. It is a two o'clock kickoff. One thirty is the pregame with Gareth Wheeler, and then Croatia versus England. I think that's the one everyone's definitely keeping an eye on. Same time, two p.m. start. One thirty is the pregame. I think a lot of people. I think England's that team. I mean, England's that, that now that polarizing. You either love them or you hate them. Stephen Caldwell, who is from Scotland, how does he feel about it? We will bring that up with him. Um, our poll question today, it's not really a poll. It's just, I want to know your thoughts. And you can tweet us at MCOS56 or at TSN1050Radio. Summer is here. I just came home from my cottage yesterday. What do you love most about the cottage? Or what do you hate the most from people who have cottages? And there's one complaint that I have seen a bunch of that I've been really enjoying. And that is the people like me, and this is what people hate about cottage people, is the people that leave early. Julian writes in, I don't like when cottage people get to leave work early on Friday while I'm stuck at work. And then someone else tweeted in, at Bean Player, they somehow leave work early on a Friday but never seem to use vacation time to do it. Ding, 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 ding. Absolutely guilty of that. A hundred percent guilty of fleeing the city early. And the way I would always justify, I would come to work early, there would be no lunch, and I would work extra hard. You know in the job that you have where you sort of ease into the day like an old man going into a hot tub? Well, that is not cottage goer on a Friday because i, I got to get everything done. I want to get everything, everything done. Like my rule is I would get to work 45 minutes early if it meant I could leave 10 minutes early. I was fine with that ratio. But yeah, that is a, uh, that's a good one. About what to hate about us jerk cottagers. And there's been a lot of good things. Claudio writes in, best thing is the freedom, fresher air, disconnection from screen addiction, and being able to escape from your voice on radio for a few days. Claudio, that is not nice at all. To be able to escape from my voice, how dare you? How dare you? But everything else, I agree with. Coming up next, Stephen Caldwell is going to join us. Does he see a path where we get England versus France? Historically, I think that would be the most fun. Also, I want to get his thoughts just overall about this World Cup. There's been so many crazy things. You, you had it all kicking off with Ronaldo with the hat trick against Spain and that free kick. France eliminating Argentina, crazy 4-3 game. Neymar diving all over the place. England getting to the semis for the first time since 1990. Belgium's comeback against Japan. And then the Japanese crowd afterwards sticking around to clean. Those guys are the heroes. Russia. Getting that far, being ranked 70th, there was a lot of storylines that we've seen so far. How does he rank the 2018 World Cup? Stephen Caldwell joins us next. We talk all things World Cup right here on Toronto Today.